It's time for Cofield and Company. All right, DJ catches. DJ into the front court. DJ to Keelan Boone. Keelan right, left side. A three for Keelan is an air ball, and Reno's going to win the game. Disappointing, frustrating loss for the Rebels. As I said, they really have only themselves to blame as they did not execute well on either end of the floor in the final five minutes of this ballgame. It's Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio. Hello, hello, and welcome to Cofield and Company. UNLV not able to get the win against UNR on Saturday. John Sandler on the call there with alongside Curtis Terry. Adam, I don't know if you watched the game, but that's that was one of those ones that hurt. I know that I'm a credentialed member of the media, but at least for the UNR game. You're also wearing a UNLV hat? Yes, I am. Also, you just, you're just jumping right into show? Yes, I am. Adam Hill alongside with me. Adam Hill, how are you <laughs> Usually today? Usually no, like, no, hey, no, it's raining today. No pleasantries. The, weather's, the weather stinks. If you're driving around Vegas, if, you, you know, if you're here listening in Vegas, you can look outside the window. You know it's, a, it's one people, of those days. But people are dealing with it all day. It sucks. It sucks? Well, also, I keep forgetting to replace my windshield wipers. Me too! <laughs> because you don't need them. <laughs> Like, literally, you need a, it's two days, and you're like, oh, I need to get new ones. You're like, oh, it hasn't rained now in four months, so we're cool. And then it starts again, you're like, oh, that's right, I forgot to do this. It's ridiculous. But I also don't drive anywhere, so even where, hey, it's raining today. I got in the car, wiped once or twice, and I said, I'm good. It's mm. a 10-minute drive to work for me. I'm like, I'm not driving long stretches to where I think it it, it hinders my vision I would say, there was a good... 10-minute stretch on the way here. I had no idea what was in front of me. <laughs> Just had to hope nobody stopped suddenly or, like, we're good. It messed because when they're bad, it's not just that they don't – it doesn't wipe the water away. It, like, actually makes the – it makes it blurry. Yeah, it, it makes it even worse. Yeah, it's, it's, it's I almost shouldn't have had them on. It was a bad idea. Rain stinks. It does. That's why we live here. So not only did we have Super Bowl week ruined by rain, another week – we need to get to March already. I'm not asking March, for 115. March showers? April showers? I don't know. There's some month that's raining. Maybe, yeah, I know that saying too, but I also don't know it that well. But maybe we April already... April showers bring May flowers, I think is the saying. But I know in like in San Diego, it's May, doom, June, gloom. Cause Why May, is May that? May and June are the only two rainy months, apparently. There's a lot of weird sayings that people have for weather to want. I don't know why. I didn't make them up. I hate them. Yeah, I, now I know which months not to go to San Diego. Yeah, or you do because then it's cheaper because nobody's going. That's the other benefit. Why am I going to San Diego if it's going to be rained out for the weekend? Cheaper. It's nice. Nobody's there. Stay at a nice hotel for like 50 bucks. But what will I be doing besides... Enjoying the rain. <laughs> Enjoying the rain in San Diego. I don't think it's actually rain. I think it's just the dark clouds. I can deal with that. Yeah. See, it's fine. Yeah. We're talking about UNLV. Yeah, no, 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 no. I just thought we usually, we usually do like some goofiness and, you know, fun. You're like, UNLV stunk. I'm like, okay, we're gonna, let's ease in. You're saying it hurt as a were you there? Member, were you there, that, you, were you there at that game? No, I was at the Golden Knights. They were at the same time. But I was... In the in the press box watching the game, uh, UNLV goes up nine on a big. I'm trying to think. It was, maybe Boone hit a three with like four and a half minutes left. Five minutes left to go up nine. Yeah, and I was like, all right, nice. They got this. Filed my uh, my flash right after the game. Went down to the locker room. Got to the locker room. I was watching the game in the locker room. And I was like, wait, how is it only a one point game now? 
Like, what happened? You know, we we can save it to when Steve gets on the show because he can be the more level-headed one. Because I do just want to say, as I'm wearing a UNLV shirt and hat. I didn't even notice a hat. Your shirt is covered by your jacket. Yes. All right, nice. Yeah, you know, hey, UNLV, uh, you know, head to toe. Still got to represent the boys. That's like the, uh, isn't that the in, like the introductory weekend? It is. Shirt? Yeah. Where you're just, you hey, your go first... to the mic- like the mixer yeah. on campus. Yeah, your first, the first weekend on campus. Yeah. I feel like you just went to it. You didn't actually go to school there. You just, went to, you just went to the mixer. You were one of those guys that we had a couple that just signed up for one class that could play intramurals with us. Were intramurals that big of a thing back oh, in your yeah. day? Oh, yeah. Oh, it was big. Real big. Did guys from the football team play in the basketball intramurals? Oh, yeah. But not only that, I will say that uh, we lost the three-on-three championship game. because We were really good. And we lost to somebody who then walked on to the UNLV basketball team, who people may remember because he was actually a decent player, a local guy who ended up on the Rebels, Vince Booker, who did not play on the team his his first year on campus. He played intramurals against us and beat us, and uh, it was a rough one. But I was also my teammate in that planned to come to UNLV to walk on. He ended up not doing that, and he ended up being a – Yeah, because he lost to Vince Booker. He did, well, he lost, but he also he did go on to be a Division II All American, I believe, and he he averaged like twenty six a game his senior college. So I mean, he's good player, really good player. So we were we had a good squad, but yeah, Vince Booker beat us in the championship. That but it was big, is what I'm saying. It was very big. No, I just I am thinking about that career trajectory of your buddy. I'm good enough to walk on at UNLV. He was. And then it doesn't happen. Well, you know what? I'm transferring to D2, and I'm going to be the best player on my team. Yeah. Well, I'll ask, like that, I'll, that margin for college basketball is so interesting to me. I'll actually point out it shows you, and this this is something that we can just relate to. Not It's not just about uh, this goofy story, but um, it, it happens in college sports a lot, and it actually happens, we talk about it now in football quite a bit. Um, he had several scholarship offers to, to, to different places. And UNLV coaching staff at the time, who I will not call out specifically, but uh, it, it was unfortunate. Uh, they told him, look, don't take those offers. We want you here. So just come walk on here because you're a local. You, you can pay local, you know, pay local in-state tuition. in-state tuition and just come walk on here instead of taking one of your scholarship offers. And then he got there for his first day of practice and noticed that they had told that to like 12 guys. And he was like, wait a minute. This is not what I signed up for. So he just didn't go. He'd stop going, and he's like, I'm just going to go play somewhere else next semester, but let me uh, stay here for one semester and play intramurals. And so it was to my benefit as somebody who wanted to win an intramural title. <laughs> Unfortunately, we lost to another one of those same players uh, that was there. But it's cool. But that, that happens now in college sports. Like, they'll – you know, they take a lot more kids than they expect to, and kids walk – kids get to school, and it doesn't work out for them. I'll tell you what, when I'm playing ball at UNLV now, I'm not saying I'm good or anything – but when you're up there at the court and you're just hearing people yapping, I love it. Or someone's, oh, I got, I'm supposed to be going overseas. Hey, but you're still here with us right now. Yeah, I love it when someone says that line. Okay, you you had a good game, but you're still here with us. So shut well, up. But also keep in mind, like sometimes that's true. I don't care. If it's true. <laughs> sometimes it's actually true. <laughs> shut up, man. Let's Those just things. play. We all here at UNLV right now playing pickup. Fair. I don't care. About that overseas contract. One guy, he's like, I'm on the same pro-am team with DeMarcus Cousins. All right, but right here, you would have shut up, bro. That doesn't sound true. See? I don't think that's. I don't think that one's true. I checked his Instagram. He was running with DeMarcus Cousins All a right. little bit. But I don't care about that. All right. 
And you, I'm guessing you weren't hanging around with him. No. You were getting dominated. No. no. <laughs> you know what? I locked him up on possession, and I said, I don't see what the hype's about. Okay. But I'm not trying to guard somebody 6'5 for an good, entire good game. For you. Uh, I don't know if you would have helped UNLV on Saturday. Down the stretch, could you have made free throws? Maybe. You know, I could have gave him some hard fouls. I wouldn't have cared about fouling out. I, I I will say I think that there was three three possessions where UNLV got bad shots and then gave up easy looks where it looked like it's not like they weren't playing good defense. It looked like they didn't want to foul. They didn't want to, all right, let's not give them a three-point play. If they're going to score, just let them score two. And they let that happen three times in a row. So all of a sudden a nine-point lead was three, and then it was a close game again, and I think that's where things went wrong. And then obviously, you know, missing free throws in the final minute does not get you victories when you're playing close games. Yeah, and for people that want to say DJ Thomas, he blew the game. I'm not going to put it all on him. Well, they wouldn't have been in it without him. Exactly. He was the best player on the court. Yeah. Even with Lucas lighting him up for the the first three minutes of the game, where he scored, it seemed like eight points just like that. DJ Thomas really held it together. So I'm not going to criticize a kid for, oh, he lost the team the game when he's the major reason that the team was in the game to begin with. No, and he's learning a lot of lessons. It's, you know, he he's had a couple of last-second opportunities that didn't go well, didn't get good shots, and didn't make them. Um, he's had a couple of where he did come through. Uh, you want to make those free throws. And I'm, look, nobody is more upset about missing free throws in that, in that spot than DJ is, and I'm sure it's going to haunt him. And all you can do to get over that is to get that situation again and make them, and I'm sure that's what he wants, and that's what he'll do. Adam, I've got to ask you. This is your beat. What are the Raiders doing? What do you, what do you mean? I, I've, I've. They're collect. They're they're gathering a the best offensive staff. minds. Yes, the best offensive minds they can find. They are bringing them in the building. Like Joe Philbin. Yes, I said the best they can find. I'm excited for it. Are you really? Look, the 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 coaching staff is incredibly important. It is. Um, but what's important is kind of how they work together, how they mesh, how they all get on the same page, how they are able to teach the philo- the general philosophy of what's going on. And I know Antonio Pierce has fought back on you know him not being an X's and O's guy, but I know that's not his strength. He's going to bring in guys that have been there, done that. They're going to do what they have to do. He's going to be the head coach of everything and obviously spend a lot of time on the defense and do that. Last year he uh, famously was just obsessed with the offensive line and being in that room. Um, he's going to be that guy. He's going to be in all these meetings. He's going to be around guys, but he's going to let other people coach. So he's trying to get the most experience that he possibly can. And I know that you can look at this staff and say, what is going on? This is a weird collection. It's a weird mix. Um, but there's a lot of guys with a lot of really good experience. There's a lot of guys who have been players. Uh, there's a, uh, there's a you know an eclectic mix of personalities and people and styles and, and systems and all that. And uh, we can say that it's not a great staff on paper or it looks kind of silly in the way that they're collecting it, but what's going to matter is how they work together and how they perform when the season starts. Now, right now, I would say they're probably the fourth best staff of the four teams in the AFC West, but that's on paper. Paper isn't where these games are decided. I know it's on paper, but sometimes you just look at the resume from where some of these guys come from. The new quarterback coach, Rich, I hope I'm saying this right, Sangirelli? Sure. Sangirello? I did, I'm, I'm asking you, because when I tried to do my research on him, one of the top videos that I found on YouTube when I searched his name is how much did he looks like Steve Zahn, and they made a parody video of it when it's time from the University of Kentucky. And I did watch that. 
I don't know that he looks that much like him. I didn't think so either. Enough for them to bring in Steve Zahn at Kentucky it's to just, make the parody video. Kind of thing one person says and they just kind of catch on and like nobody questions it. But you're like, I don't. I mean, there might be a photo where he does look like him, but in general, you look at him. That's not the vibe I get. Yeah, I didn't see it, especially when they had him. What in is Steve Zahn doing these days? Collecting a check from the University of Kentucky. I guess he's free enough well, to now the Raiders. But I, I think, well, Scandrella didn't coach last year at all. Um, I thought it was before, but I, I'm like I'm not seeing it. I just don't remember. I think the last thing I remember Steve Zahn is like Saving Silverman, which was a great movie. He's been he was the I know you wouldn't watch this because it's a child's movie. He was a fa- he was the father in the Diary of a Wimpy Kid movies. <laughs> How long ago were those? I feel like that's an old movie. Yeah, that, that's at least last decade. <laughs> I don't I, I don't National Security with Martin Lawrence. Man, he was in that. Yeah, that was a good movie. Okay. That's O three though. But that was a oh, three? That was that's a DVD classic though. If I met him, you know, like, oh, you just throw out a quote from an actor from what you've seen him in, that would be the movie. What's the last thing he did? You don't know? You're not, you know, like, up to date on the Steve Zahn, the Steve Zahn library? I'm going to IMDb because he was in a TV show, I feel, of something that I watched recently. I don't know if that's the case. And we're not, we're not going to break like it. Like I said, I don't. <laughs> so this is the other problem. Like, I don't feel like I'm an out-of-touch person. But in pop culture, I guess I kind of am because we've talked about this. Like, all I do is watch YouTube now. He's definitely not anything I watch on YouTube. He was in the latest season of The Righteous Gemstones on HBO. Oh, and I do watch that, yes. but I don't remember. I don't he remember. was the he was okay. the father. He's um, Eli's sister, radical husband, because he bought all of their supplies ah, right. for Y2K. Oh, you're right. You know, he bet the farm on all these okay. Y2K supplies. Right. Oh, good. He's, I'm glad he's making a comeback. And he's coaching with, with the Raiders. Now, back to Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio. Adam, a lot of big things happened over the weekend. I want to talk about the NBA All-Star Game in a little bit. Why? Well, the All-Star Weekend in general, but before we get to that, I've got to ask you about your main beat, your main priority. Taylor Swift. That's true. She's been seen in the Chiefs hat. How much Chiefs gear do you think she owns at this point? A lot. Met many Chiefs gears uh, that she has. I think she's rocking them everywhere. Uh, I don't think it was. I don't think it was an accident. I don't, maybe she just threw on the hat. I don't know. Uh, but I think she was. You know, going from uh, she was getting on the plane to go from Melbourne to Sydney, I believe, and uh, was rocking the uh, Chiefs World Championship hat as she was going through the plane and uh, was photographed in that. So good. You know, good PR for the Chiefs, I'm sure, and. Uh, good sign that everything's going strong with Travis. Sounds like he is on the way to Australia or is already there. So How long is she in Australia for? Uh, a bunch of shows. I know she did like four nights in Melbourne, now four in Sydney. I think she's doing four somewhere else. Perth? That's the only... It's <laughs> like on the other side of Australia. I don't know how big Australia is. I, it I, is. Those are the only three I can give you. Massive, by the way. And weird thing about Australia. I can do Australian geography Let's go. if you want. Uh, all of the... All of these cities, like the major cities that we talk of, are all on the coast. Some, most on the east coast, some on the west coast. But there is like, if you look at a map of Australia right right now, it is a just a vast. We talk about the outback, like it is the majority of the country, where it's just nothing. So all of the cities. So Sydney is like right on the east coast. Melbourne is kind of south of that on the southeast coast, which is where I've been to. And then I think Perth might be all the way like on the west coast on the water. 
but mm-hmm. all the cities are on the water. There might be like one, like is Adelaide maybe somewhere that's not, but everything is on the water, and the entire middle of the continent is just nothingness. Are they it's, too afraid to explore? I think so. Well, also, it's almost, I think it's just such dense, like forest and desert that like there's just no reason to go there. It's crazy. Well, how many people are in Australia? Because the the record was 96,000 people went to this most recent show. I believe that concert was where the Ronda Rousey-Holly Holm fight was, which is where, that's why I was there in Australia. And I think it was at the same place. Because there's a cricket ground, which might be bigger, but I think Marvel Stadium is what it's called, where where Ronda and Holly was. They got like 70-something thousand in for... Uh, for the fight, and I think they could have expanded even more. Which, so I assume that might be where it was. The cricket ground is bigger. yes, it was at the cricket ground. Okay, that is that is bigger, and I, I, I mean, I guess they just couldn't seventy thousand, seventy five thousand wasn't enough. They had to go to the cricket, cricket ground instead. Just crazy uh, that is there. But Melbourne is a huge sports town. It's really big sports town. It's a, it's a good sports town. Obviously, the Australian Open is there. Um, it's also very much <laughs> Australian geography. Yeah. It's also very very much reminds me of Vegas. And in that it's not like Vegas, like there's a strip. There's a massive casino property in the middle of Melbourne. And it has five different hotels and like 35 restaurants. And like the entire city kind of rotates around that. So it's it's very weird in that regard where it's it's like Vegas-like. Like it's almost like the strip area, which is this one massive complex. And then a whole bunch of stuff around it. The rest of the city is very European. Very cool though. But yes, Taylor was there doing her concert. She left. With not only a Chiefs championship hat on, but also the TNT bracelet that Travis had gotten her was on her wrist. You could kind of see that. Does Taylor Swift have the power to make any country that she visits for concerts that the Chiefs will now be the NFL team that people root for? Well, we see it with Germany. Oh. The Chiefs are the most popular team in Germany. So. That's just, you know, the Chiefs being good. But could we see a spike in now since, you know, her wearing the merch there? People in Australia, the Chiefs are my team. I don't think there's any question. I, I think they're going to be the most – they already are, I think, the most popular team. And they would have been by success, but I think they're going to be so far and away the most popular team because so many people don't even – they're not even football fans. They're just they're just fans of Taylor, and now they're watching Travis because of that. I mean, look what it did to the podcast. The, the New Heights podcast already was, like, number one. Now it's so far away, number one in the world, just because there's so many – Taylor Swift people watching. Travis and Jason made a joke the other day, but it wasn't really a joke. They they just said, look, all of these votes, because they do votes on different things, mm-hmm. and they said these Swifties are just running all of these votes. Like, whatever they want to happen is happening because there's so much of an audience for them. So, like, this is not this is not some discussion of, you know, Taylor Swift. We're ta- Oh, you're talking about Taylor Swift. It's, it's entertainment. Like, this is very impactful in the sports world. The Chiefs are already the biggest team. They are going to be – so far and away the biggest team if this relationship continues in the next year it's going to be wild first of all look what it's going to do to ticket prices like if you want to see the chiefs at raiders next year at allegiant that ticket is going to be nuts because you know she's going to be here and her fans are going to make the tickets go crazy it's wild what she's doing to the sport and to the chiefs and it was already big of course uh but it's going to be even bigger and uh there was what, three shows at the Melbourne Cricket Ground? There's going to be three at the stadium in Sydney, and then she's going straight to Singapore for six shows. And I believe Travis is going there because if you were watching at the Super Bowl, 
he he mentioned her being in Singapore, which I assume meant that's where he was going to go with her after the Super Bowl. Uh, so he, I believe, is in Australia now and uh, is then going to go there. And then uh, she gets a break from March until May. And then at the end of May, she goes on the European <laughs> swing. One thing that I do want to say in the negative about Travis Kelsey, I don't know who's running the audiovisual department at UNLV, but, hey, we're coming back from a timeout. And they play the Viva Las Vegas Travis Kelsey. They did. And it gets booze. Of course it Respectfully does. so. I know that you want to get There's the cheap pop-up. Respectful. I, believe me, I got a bunch of texts when this yeah. happened. Because, like I said, I was at the Knights. I wasn't at the at the Rebels. And a bunch of people texted me and said, why are they playing that Travis Kelsey Viva Las Vegas song on the scoreboard? Don't they know that we don't like the Chiefs? I don't know if they that might have been trolling on purpose. I don't know. What? Trolling us as the city? Yeah. Why not? I like it. I, <laughs> hey, guys, we stink. Here's our biggest rival. Yeah, Aren't they wasn't. great? It probably wasn't. It was, I don't know. Or or they're trolling Reno to like, hey, you didn't get shouted out by Travis Kelsey. We did. But, yeah, you have to understand. Because I don't think that UNLV is big fans of the Raiders. Well, so maybe people- they think the people that are fans of them are not fans of the Raiders. These aren't the Tark days anymore. I don't think that it's just but They're also UNLV. underestimating, like, it's cool now to say you hate the Chiefs or you hate Taylor Swift because of this whole thing, which is just so juvenile. And and maybe they were banking on that as well. Of And they, and I mean, sorry, they weren't banking on that part of it, that people just boo him and hate him because he is him and he's with Taylor and it's oversaturated and all this other stuff. Like, it's it's incredibly juvenile to hate them, but maybe that's part of it. We did get a text in. You can text us at 702-364-1100. Ooh, I can just hear the AM radio fan base growing. Hashtag Swifty. Well, maybe yeah. they are. That's, that's We're counting on them listening to the show. That's <laughs> yes. what we're talking about. Her. By the way, eight shows at Wembley Stadium all sold out coming up. Wow. Eight straight nights. This is also wrestling related. Because really? AEW is going to be there a few weeks after Taylor Swift. Basically, Tony Khan, in some shape or fashion, he said, hey, I know that Taylor Swift is a bigger deal than like our wrestling show, so I'll like foot the bill a little bit more when it comes to helping out the production, you know, get set up from her stage to ours. Because it's like, hey, Tony, it might be a bit of a problem, you know, if Taylor, you know, the, the you know tearing down the actual stadium needs to get it set up for a wrestling at Wem- they're going to Wembley? At Wembley, yes. Is it popular enough to go to Wembley? In, in they did Wembley? last year, and they did a they did close to eighty thousand. Hmm. But it's also his co- his company. They've been around for four or five years. That was their first time outside of the U- the U.S. So I think it was the novelty of people in Europe saying, "Hey, but wasn't that before all of their stars left?" It it was. It was CM Punk. See, I don't know much about wrestling. It was CM Punk's last bit. show with the company because he did get into that's the, the one where he got in the fight and left. Yes. Oh, it's big. So they're going back again this oh year. Who's going to leave now? Exactly. Who's going to be the big fight? Didn't the uh, Cody Rhodes guy, wasn't he there also? He was also there. And then he left? And he left. Okay. You're catching up. I know, I know some stuff. Cody Rhodes and The Rock, I mean. Well, The Rock is going to it's gonna be a triple threat or he's going to interfere at WrestleMania, right? Yeah, he's with And also the- WrestleMania is definitely coming to Las Vegas next year. It better. Okay. They haven't announced it yet, but come on. What are we doing? I was told 95% is coming to Vegas. Who told you that? Is that a good source? I know you're sourced up. <laughs> I mean, 
Is that from your friends who watch wrestling who are like, Edge no, definitely no, no. coming? Or a source is what I'm I asking. I wouldn't say something like that that my friends said. Uh, <laughs> the backup plan is Indianapolis, apparently. Which is quite different. Yeah. I think it should. it's probably coming to Vegas. We get everything. Why wouldn't we get WrestleMania? We're the biggest sports town, and we need the biggest event in all of sports entertainment. I mean, it's a dumb event, but... I swear, <laughs> I, I'll i put money on it. If, Are you going to say, if WrestleMania's here, that I'll be there? Yes. Yeah, most The likely. event surrounding it, you would have the time of your life at, time I, of your life at Wale Mania. What, uh, at what? Wale Mania. Wale does a show on the Friday before WrestleMania. Just a regular concert? Or it's not a con- he doesn't wrestle no, but it's he he's bringing out rappers so he's he's rapping to rappers. perform or to yes. wrestle though to perform okay yeah, man. and then wrestlers come on stage you know they're doing like live podcasts well, I don't want to do that I just want to see the see rappers perform <laughs> I don't need all the wrestling ties you'd have the time of your life at Wiley Mania <laughs> I mean I'm sure I'll be there I'm sure that's gonna happen WrestleMania 2025 most likely coming to Vegas. Before that, AEW is going to London with Taylor Swift. There's so much going on. Now, back to Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio. 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 Adam, this was a lackluster weekend for the NBA. I think we can all say this weekend. I think that's being friendly. So I ask you, what do you think is more entertaining? The three point contest. No, the three point contest. They tried to do it with Steph and Sabrina, but I feel like I'm on record. I'll stand by this. The celebrity game that they do on Friday night, it's the most entertaining part of the weekend for me, because I like to see football players try to play basketball. Well, some can. Uh, I, I will say, I don't think you're wrong, but it's it's not a high bar. So like I, if you say the celebrity game is the most entertaining thing, I, I think I would tend to agree. But that's just because the rest of it is just is so bad. Yeah, it's not great. For me, if I'm the NBA, I would just put all my eggs in that basket and just say, hey, last year, Miles Garrett, a beast. This year, Micah Parsons. Next year, getting both. Puka? Puka, also good. CJ Stroud, good. I saw a clip of Bryce Young just just playing somebody one on one. Bryce Young also can hoop. Just give well, I me. Think the, I I feel like the point of the celebrity game is people that can't hoop. Okay, yeah. So like give I me want guys that can. They've played before. They know how to play, but they're not like elite athletes. Like I don't want the NFL guys in there. You don't? No, they're too good. I, not yeah. good ones. <laughs> I want like I'm just trying to think of like random. You know, there's been like some random rappers or actors or people that. Like, play a little bit. Like, I don't want to see people that have never picked up a ball before try to, you know, dribble off their foot. Like, that's stupid. But guys that play, you know, maybe twice a month in, like, a rec league or something like that that are okay, that's who I want. Celebrities that are, like, that level. Jason Sudeikis, he was good. J. Yeah. Cole, Kevin Hart threw him an alley J. Cole one played, year. like, pro basketball. It was in Africa. <laughs> okay, first of all, settle down. <laughs> But I mean, he was a he. He's a legitimate bat. I think he played college. He didn't even have a college scholarship at like St. John's. That didn't. No, play. he uh he he tried out to be a walk on. Okay. And he was much like your friend, yeah. where he made the first round of cuts to be a walk on, and then he says, "Okay, it's still like I got to beat out eight other people." I'm sure. Good. But I mean, I think in that like he's a good player. Yeah. Maybe too good for what I'm saying. Even J Cole's too good. Yeah, I want oh. I I want rec league guys who are like okay who are. You know, maybe with the goggles, maybe like setting screens, 
uh, every now and then. But like, don't they're not they're, nobody's going to dunk. We, there, there's a good chance if they put up a three, they're going to make it. But there's also a chance it's going to be an air ball. So you want it to just be twenty percent from the field, and we're just laughing at them? Yeah, a little bit like that. <laughs> I don't want like a real game. If we're going to do a celebrity game, let's do it right. Celebrities that are okay. Puka's too good. Michael Parsons is too good. No. That's all I want to see. I want to see athletes out there playing. Also, I don't want the W. They still do WNBA players in it. I don't want that either. Yeah, Yeah, I don't want that either. They're too good. Like, I want, I just want like basic average players, but we know who they are. I feel like even (laughs) there's a, Steve Steve would like this one, I think, because he used to like the guy too uh, when he was on the games. But the guy, Arnie Duncan, who was like the secretary Secretary of of Education. education, he was too good. He he played at Harvard, right? So that was yeah, definitely too good. Basketball player, like he was too good. I I don't. I want average player. I want you, but like Kevin Hart. He he won the MVP. <laughs> yeah. So that's what you want: the Kevin Hart, the Justin Bieber's. Yeah, that level, like real celebrities, but not great, but not terrible either. All right, NBA, get on it. When I saw like I saw a lot of people propose. There's a lot of proposals for how to make the game better. How to make the All Star Game better? Like it's, that's just not going to happen. Have the celebrities play in the actual game on Sunday? No, but that's already what we're doing. I feel like I don't want to do that. Like no, that's because that's not going to get guys to try. And first of all, I don't really think guys should try. They should. You don't. Be. You don't want. You don't want guys that you know you're investing all this money in to get hurt in an exhibition that doesn't matter. Like you don't want that. The NBA gives them the Lords of London contract, a hundred million dollars if you suffer a career-ending injury in the All Star Game. Boom. But what? But, but, but then you know it's going to be well. You didn't suffer a career under. You'd only out for two years. Like okay, well, what does what does that mean? Um, that'd just be tough to do. And I, I've seen people like make the prize twenty million dollars. Fans would just get so mad at that. Like I'd be cool with it because it would get guys to actually try. But fans would just be so. You need more money now. Like shut up, shut up. <laughs> do you want them to play or not? There was something today about you know maybe just a one on one tournament with the guys that are all stars. And then they're you know they have to play out of embarrassment, but I I don't know if that would I don't know if that would work either or a two on two even, um, like an NBA Jam type game, maybe that would work. I don't know. I just I don't see I don't foresee all of a sudden guys caring and trying hard in this game. When we come back, we'll talk to Steve Kim and see if he has any thoughts on how to fix the NBA All Star Game. Steve Kim, the host of the Three Knockdown Rule, joins Cofield and Company, presented by Snack Nutrition. All right, Cofield in from Colorado Springs. Adam Hill is here as well. Damon is in the Finley Toyota studio, so we're getting ready for uh, UNLV and Air Force tomorrow. But full show on the way. Good job by uh, Adam and Damon carrying the beginning of the show. Appreciate that. Steve Kim steps in. A Tuesday spot for Steve, of course, up on Twitter at Steve Kim 323 What's up, Steve? Gentlemen, how you guys doing? We're good. Uh, without saying get rid of it completely, Give me a solution that will make the whiny crowd up on social media happy with the NBA All-Star Game. <laughs> well, I don't think there's <laughs> any fixing it. I, I think this goes far beyond basketball, uh, to be honest with you. I think there's a generational and a cultural issue at play with a, a great sense of entitlement uh, from those who want more and more by giving less and less. And so... 
you know, as far as I'm concerned, the players themselves can handle this game any way they want. I think at a certain point that the fan base and the American public, they have to start making decisions as to whether they want to keep supporting not just this weekend in the game, but the overall product of the NBA. Yeah, I know you're not super strong on the NBA, but here, here's the issue. Uh, first of all, the ratings yesterday were up 20% for the game. So that's kind of the answer, that there's still a public that will support it. To me, this is the same exact argument, argument we had for the last uh, 10 years until they switched it with the Pro Bowl, isn't it? Yeah, I guess. But, again, uh, those numbers, I, I mean, again, I, I was there in the 80s and 90s when the numbers were much higher. I don't know how you, you know – there has to be a context to all these ratings. You know, I look at sports a little bit differently now. I don't take it as seriously as I did. It's just content for me to make money with. So none of this really gets me all that angry. And I also have the, the, the discipline not to watch things I don't want. And I think the NBA product, it's really interesting in a sense that there is a generational divide between those who grew up a little bit older like the way I did I think we much prefer it the way it was, while people younger, I don't think, know any better and think this is actually the apex of basketball. And I don't know. I, once you've seen Michael Jordan, Magic Johnson, and Larry Bird in that era, I, I, me personally, I think everything else is going to really uh, fall a little bit short of that particular standard. And just the fact that the players today do not want to play basketball, I, I just do not understand it when it became so oppressive to ask people to play the game of basketball that they get paid tens of millions of dollars to do. And I think the media is complicit. They're afraid to challenge any of these guys because they're afraid of losing access. And quite frankly, I find much of the NBA media to be quite gutless in not doing their job. Adam, you want to come back on this? And what would you, you just made a comment about eight minutes ago, and I'm actually with Adam – I actually, well, I'll let Adam say it. I, I think p- athletes are smarter now. What's the point of getting hurt in a meaningless game, Adam? True. Team, I think teams are smarter. Like the, the, That's the part of this that I don't think a lot of people talk The teams do not want the players playing in this game. They don't want them going all out. They're investing a lot of money in them. They want them playing for them, not for some weird league showcase. So I, I, I think it's there, there's fault all around if we're going to say there's fault. Uh, in this, because I, I, I guarantee, and I, if I was an owner, I wouldn't want my player playing in that game. Not all out. Just go out and goof around and have fun for the cameras, but I don't want you competing hard. I can't remember an all-star game that I grew up watching where a guy got injured, to be honest with you. Um, and I don't even care about the all-star game. I haven't watched an all-star game in about 15 years. <laughs> but, you know, they put in rules where you don't you can't play four games in five nights. They, they travel luxuriously. They stay in the best accommodations. You're asking them to play basketball. They're not going into a coal mine. They're not doing anything really life-altering. or They're not, they're not curing cancer, as I like to say. Um, again, this is just my personal opinion, is that if I was a fan and I took my son or my family to watch a game, to watch a particular player, and if that player ends up taking that night off and he's not injured, I'd just say, hey, guys, <laughs> I'm not working any more overtime to take you a basketball game where the guy's going to sit out. It's not happening under my watch. That's just my view of it. Now, other people may just love the scene of basketball. But I, there comes a point where we got to say, guys, you've grown up your whole life wanting to play the game of basketball. You're, pl- you're paid extraordinarily well. And I never say anyone's overpaid. I'm just asking you to do your job. I don't think that's too much to ask. 
We're talking to Steve Kim, the host of the Three Knockdown Roll podcast, presented by Snack Nutrition. Steve, I've got to ask you, talk about people maybe taking a game off. Do you think that we're going to see that now with college football teams and conference championships maybe not mattering as much with the new CFP format? That's an interesting question because I do wonder, you know, football is so compressed into either a 12 to 15 game season or a 17 plus game season, which is about what, 20 to 21 games in National Football League. Uh, you know, the, the rate of making the playoffs and the value of every game is so important, even in the National Football League. I don't know if you can do the load management. Now, can you cut down the amount of snaps per game? Um, I've always thought if the Players Association really cared about the safety of their union, right? I don't. I'm. I was surprised that they allowed the 17 games, uh, the expanded schedule, and the fact they didn't fight for more roster spots. Given it's a it's a multi-billion-dollar um, industry that you couldn't create more jobs for your uh, fellow brothers. Uh, but I just again, they've never really thought about these type of things. They just want free agency. But, yeah, could I see a time and a place where players are just sitting out, especially in college, where they're saying, well, I got my NIL. And remember, the NIL is not really supposed to be directly related to the school. So I I think that we've opened up a Pandora's box um, and um, a situation where I don't know if you can ever get this back into the bottle. Because keep this in mind, the NIL specifically – and when you're paying for players, it was never supposed to be paid for play. It was supposed to be about a very, very iconic player like a Reggie Butch at USC who would get his cut of the jersey sales and any paraphernalia. That, that's really not the case. They've completely bastardized that from the beginning. So players are just going to basically bounce around and look for the money. And, yes, I think that the overall loyalty to the school that once may or may not have existed, that probably does not exist anymore the way it once did. I think even more Steve so. Kim is up on Kofi and company. Go ahead, Damon. No, I was going to say even more so, you're taking the player proponent. I mean, hey, SEC championship, if you're Georgia and you're undefeated, you know what, we'll rest our guys even an extra we'll, – we'll rest our guys an extra week because we know if we lose this conference championship game, we could still get in one loss. Yeah, I think that's a very good point. And now with it expanded to 12 games, and if you are in a specific conference, specifically the SEC, then probably followed by the Big Ten – you do have a cushion now that if you have one or less losses, that last game of the year, um, if it is that extra playoff game or the play-in type of game, you're absolutely right, Damon. You don't have to necessarily win because we've seen this before with Alabama. They, there have been years, and this was during, what, even a 14 playoff, they didn't even win their own conference, but they still got in because they were deemed to be one of the best four teams. So now with the 12-team playoff, the way it's being expanded, and I have a sense it's going to be expanded even more to a 16-team playoff down the line. That's just the way it works. That Yeah, you're right. Teams are going to start to really budget their players and figure out, you know what, if we have one or less losses, um, given the fact that this is a two-conference monopoly, yeah, I could see situations where players are rested in situations that you bring up. Steve Kim is with us. Let's go back to basketball for a second. Lack of motivation. Got to pay guys more to get them fired up. I saw a really good discussion you've had for the last couple of days talking about 24 years ago, Barrera and Morales kick off a series of fights. I don't think boxing can get that anymore because of the powers that be. And also, guys make so much money. What motivates them to fight, say, three times in four years? Yeah, well, keep this in mind with Barrera and Morales. It was a different time, and – 
The thing is, Steve, and this goes beyond just the individual decisions of the fighters. I think the fighters are fighting less, and we're getting less of the true marquee matchups, like Barrero Morales, right? So they fight a lot. They fought a lot earlier in time. They fought in their mid to late 20s. So if the fight was really good, like their first one was, and that was one of the best fights I've ever seen at the Mandalay Bay, Steve, there was, then at that point there was a public demand that, hey, they're going to have to do this again. Fast forward to last year, well, Spence and Crawford spent four and a half, five years getting caught up in the business of boxing, and they fought in their early to mid-30s, and the fight became one-sided, and there was almost no public demand for a rematch, even though there was a contracted rematch clause. One of the problems boxing has right now is that the marquee fighters, they don't make the fights early enough to create room where you can say, okay, down the line, even if it's not contracted, you guys are going to have a second and third chapter. And I just kind of thought about it. I think Canelo, Golovkin, Roman Gonzalez, and Juan Francisco Estrada, who were both three-fight series that are very memorable, moving forward, guys, I'm not so sure we're ever going to get another multi-set fight uh, like those two moving forward. So let's stick with the back-in-my-day theme on this one. Have you watched The Greatest Night in Pop? I know you were going to give it a chance. I watched it. I loved it. But it was absolutely a, a back-in-my-day thing. Oh, yeah. It was great. Um, I watched it last night. I thoroughly enjoyed it. And, you know, the the wizardry of Quincy Jones is what really stuck <laughs> out to me. His ability to bring what, nearly 50 of the biggest egos and to put a sign that says, hey, check your ego at the door. And to have not really all that much time, because everyone's going to leave by that morning, you basically had about, what, seven and a half, eight hours to come up with something that probably takes a long time, and to figure out the chorus, the melody, the solos, and to put it all together, and to create this iconic song. And Steve, I don't know about you, but growing up in the 80s, that was one of those songs that a smart-ass kid, you had, you tried to tell people you didn't like it, you made fun of it, you would never admit that you like it, but secretly, as soon as you learn the words, I mean, when it comes on the radio now, I don't turn the radio, I sing along with it every single time. Oh, yeah. It's awesome, because you, you saw the fragility of some of them uh, with their voices, right? Some could not sing as well as others. You saw a guy like Dylan who's like, I don't get the song. Like, I'm not picking it up. Yeah. And, it, and he goes, to, it's, the, it's, the, it's the process of seeing these people. Like, everyone just assumes this is easy stuff. But these people, they really had to put work into it, but they were in a hurry. Yeah, and, and Steve, you know what's interesting? It just really struck me when uh, Michael Jackson, who did not go to the AMA, he kind of did his own solo thing before everyone got there, and he did it without the musical instruments or a beat. It just really struck me. Like, man, that guy could actually really sing. I mean, because oh of, his, of his dynamic nature as an entertainer, his ability to dance and to be in part of an ensemble or a solo act and put on these incredible shows, it's oftentimes we forget this guy really had a great voice. Um, and the job that he did alongside Lionel Richie and just creating this song almost on the fly, um, it just goes to show you um, how much talent was in that room. But I, I came away really thinking, was, wow. Quincy Jones was really the perfect conductor. <laughs> Coach Quincy. All right, Steve, we appreciate it. Everyone watch uh, Three Knockdown Rule with uh, Steve and Mario Lopez this week. We'll talk to you next week, okay? Thanks a lot, guys. Have a great week. Yeah, that documentary is the making of We Are the World. We'll explain a little further, and I have a feeling I'll get a reaction back again from DeMond where he's like, I don't know any of these people.